But Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for first service, the people that have come to hear the word of God. You said in your word that my word will go forth and it shall not return unto me void. And I pray that like T.L. Osborne said, every person that hears the word of God, it'll touch them forever changed in their life by the power of the gospel and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Who was here Wednesday? Anybody? So we talked a little bit about the anointing, started on it. What is the purpose of the anointing? Why does the Bible talk about it in Luke chapter 4? We can go to Luke chapter 4 because we're going to kind of continue down the same vein of the anointing. And um, recently I started reading this and started studying Jesus' life again and started getting back into the Gospels and seeing the purpose that I love something Pastor Mark says is that Jesus was a prototype of the new Christian that would come. And so he was, came, born of a virgin, tempted in every point, at all points, passed, and then was, you know, submitted to the point of death. And that once God raised him from the dead and accepted the sacrifice, then God took what he did in Jesus and put it into every believer. That's why you have in the, uh, in the Bible says that Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so once Jesus comes in you, the purpose of Jesus in you is for you to do what Jesus did. It's not, you know, just that we get saved and, you know, we come to church and hear the word of God and then all go to heaven. But the purpose is that the will of God that he wanted to duplicate Jesus. And um, Wednesday night I talk about duplicating yourself. Is that the more you study the gospels, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The Bible says that the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. So the more you're reading the story of Jesus the more you study and meditate on the life of Jesus, the more the life of Jesus starts becoming imparted into you to where the Bible says that you're changed from glory to glory, that until he presents you like Jesus at his coming, perfect and mature. So our goal is that as Christians is us to become more like Jesus. Now, the book of Acts all the way to Revelation really is what, you know, the, Paul, the Pauline epistles is what G, God did in you is like an x-ray inside. You know, you're looking at the inside of you of what God did. But the Gospels is kind of, as a photograph of how we are supposed to be and how our life's supposed to act. And so I want to get into this. Um, 4.18, it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. Basically, it just means to tell people that Jesus is here, that he's alive, and that he's coming back soon. Let me read it. Uh, uh, the, t- he says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. To anoint means to smear or to rub with oil, typically as a part of a religious ceremony. High priests were anointed with oil. To smear or rub something or any other substance. Um, and so anytime, there's a, I think I have one more. The anointing also can mean to consecrate something. And basically to set something apart. Set something as when they would consecrate, they would, a sacrifice would become holy to God to be used for his purposes and his work. So the spirit of the Lord comes upon you so that you're separated unto God, used for the master for every good work. And there's an anointing that comes within you when you become born again. That is for your personal individual life. 
to help grow you, and I'll we'll read a little bit of that. But then the anointing comes upon you to empower you to do what? Acts of service. And so Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you because he anoints you to do what? To preach the gospel. So the first thing the anointing is going to do is cause you to tell people about Jesus. Just because uh, when he uses the word preach the gospel here, he's not talking about the fivefold ministry. Preach just means to proclaim, to tell somebody. If it's really good news, you just you want to tell people. The more you tell people, the better you get at it. Nobody starts out amazing, you know, talking about Jesus the first time they start doing it. But it's like with any job. You go to sell, you know, landscape, Massey. You, you, don't, you, you, you read the stuff, and then you go out and sell, and you go back and you read it. You go back out and sell, and you get better at it as you do it to the point where, you know, you can just sell in your sleep. And it's just easy to sell because you got it all. It's in you. And so the more that you're talking about Jesus, the more you're reading about Jesus, the more you're studying the life of Jesus, next thing you know, you're out talking to people, and it just begins to flow. And that's what I've realized is that you don't always have to go through and try to memorize the entire Bible. Just meditate on the Word. Just go through Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 6, 7 and 8. And as you read and just study it, and you'll begin to paraphrase the Bible to people, but what ends up happening is because the Bible is God himself— that when you're talking about the word to people, God is in his word moving on them when you're talking about it. And so sometimes we think, well, I have to, you know, make sure that I'm listening to praise and worship in the morning and praying in the spirit. And then when I go out, I'm going to feel something. No, you just talk about the word to people. And you are talking about Jesus. You are talking about him being the word made flesh. And the spirit of God is sharper, or the word of God sharper than a sword. So the moment you begin to talk about him, He's alive, it begins to change people's life. But the more that we understand the anointing, and the, the, the anointing also means like the touch of God, the finger of God. And uh, God is omnipresent, but he has not manifested himself everywhere all the time. But when you, without faith, faith comes by hearing. Without faith for the anointing, you don't even know what it is. And it's not really a subject that's like really taught a lot. We talk a lot about Jesus. We talk, you know, a lot about the cross, death, burial, and resurrection. In this church, we talk a lot about in Christ, righteousness, faith, the blood of Jesus. And when the Bible says faith in the blood, when you start teaching on faith in the blood of Jesus and you know that it was by what Jesus did on the cross through his blood, redeemed you and washed you from sin, then you're mixing faith with that because you're hearing about it all the time. Like Jesus said many times to somebody, he said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And thou ha- will have what they shall, you shall believe. What are, what are you believing for? And Jesus says, you'll have it. Your faith, woman, has made you whole to the woman that had infirmities. And so more, the more we talk about the anointing, people say, well, how do I get the anointing? Well, number one, we got to teach on the anointing. Because faith has to come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You have to think about the anointing, talk about the anointing, expect the anointing. What ends up doing is, you're, is like Dr. Cho said, is that he said, is a, as a spirit person, you are a magnet. You draw people to yourself. You're drawing the things of God. You are, Jesus is in you, and the more that you're spending time in his presence and in his word, you're pulling, it says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And so where all this is going to come from is right here in you. You cannot give away something you do not have to people. If I don't have $5, I cannot give you $5. I can tell you I would love to give you $5, that I would want to, that my heart would love to, to provide for you. 
but unless I don't have it, I cannot give it. And so you will personally have to get this yourself in time with God, the presence of God. I love something that Dr. Rodney said. His daughter was one day, she was up in his lap and she was kissing on him and hugging him in the morning and he had his cologne on. And uh, then she got down and ran to her mom and she said, oh Lord, she said, I know you've been kissing on daddy because you smell like him. You know, so he said, what ends up happening is that, he said, I thought, what it would be like if you'd spend time in the presence of Jesus and people would say, man, they've been spending time with their father, with the presence of Jesus, because they smell like him, they look like him, they talk like him. Because really the more you, you hang around certain people, you do pick up their mannerisms and who they are. And it does affect you, even though you may not, you know, you don't want them all, but it is, it is strange how that happens. You can get around somebody. I mean, I even moved in with my sister just recently um, and just the things that she does in the morning, I started doing. She does the green drink in the morning, and so some of her things, I'm starting to pick up, you know, the habits and all the stuff that she buys, and I'm starting to take it, just kind of, because what's funny is we'll be in the talking and having coffee, and that's my normal thing, but then she's doing other stuff. So next thing you know, just her being around her, I'm starting to do it. She, oh, hey, I want to do that. And then I'm picking up mannerisms of hers, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's funny how you spend time with people. And the more you spend time with God, picking up his mannerisms, spending time in his presence, you end up becoming more like him. That's why it's so important to take time. In our fast-paced American culture, it's like, you know, and I'm guilty of this, you wake up in the morning, you read one devotional, you split off to work, you're on the phone, business calls, this, that, we got to take care of this. But really, without God being in your life that he is everything, what really do you have? And, you're, and like Pastor always says, we're trying so hard to make it happen in seven days a week, but if it ain't happening in six, you're not doing it in seven. And you really need time with him because he created everything. He is wisdom. He is knowledge. And we think that by our own power, it's like what um, the disciples said in Acts three sixteen. it's not by my power that I made this man whole to make him to walk. It wasn't by my holiness. It's not by the arm of the flesh. So the more, you know, as Americans, we, we are taught, you know, it is going to be your responsibility. You have to make it happen. You got to go out there and bust it. You got to work. And not every American believes that. A lot of them think that daddy government could take care of them. But, but there's times you got to cut the noise and hear from God. Spend time in his presence if you want to be used. Mary Fran, the, I noticed that her prayer life is, she prays so much before services. That's why she walks in that kind of power. Because she's spending so much time in the presence of the Father that she knows the will of the Father. She knows the mind of the Father, and she is anointed. So um, Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord, he's upon me. Say, I'm anointed. The Spirit of the Lord, he's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to announce and uh, glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And so the more that you say that and you believe that, that our job is to tell people that they can be free, that you're in prison but you don't have to be bound spiritually, physically. And the more that I study this scripture, the more I realize that what is the heart of God? Well, he wants to heal brokenhearted people. He wants to talk to poor people, preach good tidings to them. He wants to tell captive people that they're free in Jesus. He wants to open the prisons to people who are bound by drugs and addictions and chains. 
And so the more I meditate on this, I'm getting the heart of the Father and the will of the Father. But he says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And so maybe when you wake up some days, you say, oh, I'm tired. Maybe I heard Jonathan Shadows say, it's just say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me when you wake up in the morning. I'm exhausted. I feel sick. Just say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. How are you feeling today? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I feel great. And the more you say it, the more that your words are giving substance to that life because that's what you believe. And uh, the Lord told Brother Hagan, you'll have to teach three times as much on the speaking part of faith as you do on the hearing or believing or, uh, part of faith. So that's why Pastor Mark teaches so much on you're going to have to say with your mouth because really, well, I don't really believe the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Well, just say it until you start believing it. Because you'll say it so much that you'll end up believing that the Spirit. Then what ends up happening is you become conscious that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Everywhere you go, when I'm walking through places, when you're, when you're at work, you start becoming more God conscious of the anointing that's upon you, the smear of God. So lately I've been practicing his presence, something that Benny Hinn talks about. And so I'm testing a lot of this. So I, when I wake up, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. Well, he's anointed me with what? The, the smear of God. So I said, Lord, as I walk to the gym today, you've anointed me, and I'm leaving the smear, the, the presence of God all over this place as I walk through, that I own the ground that I walk on, that the anointing is working. I mean, there, which was funny is I've been praying over the gym, and the other night a fight almost broke out, which I've never seen in our gym. And I believe that I've been praying, and it's getting every devil mad in that place. <laughs> Because that's my place. That's where I'm operating. And I started, within like a day of saying that, two kids almost started fighting one night. Because I would walk through and I, I just, under my breath, just say, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. I see the smear of God all over this place. The anointing, the manifest presence of God is touching this place. Every piece of equipment that I, that I um, lay down on is, you know, because Benny Hinn says the anointing can actually get pulled up into cloth. Because that's why it said that when Peter and them would lay hands on the cloths, and pray for him. It says that it, the anointing would soak it up, and it would take it to diseased people, and they would become healed. He said, my coat, when he said, when I would preach long hours under the anointing, he said, I'd take my coat off, and I would, he said, there was more anointing in my jacket than even on me, because it had been soaking it for hours. That's why he said he would whip his jacket at people during the Benny Hinn revivals, and people would fall out. So uh, that's where Smith Wigglesworth would tell the story where he was staying in the lady's bed, and she said, you know, my husband needs to become born again. He said, don't change the sheets. He lay down in the bed, and then he jumped up and repented that night after he got home. So the anointing is the manifested presence of God, which means that your physical, your clothes could, could absorb the manifest presence of God. But the more we study it, the more we think about it and talk about it, the more the anointing becomes real in our life. Because without faith, you're not even pleasing God. You must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God requires faith. It takes faith for these things to become activated. And so the more we study it, the more we talk about it, the more we read upon it, meditate upon it. I've read this scripture now for a few weeks. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I mean, you could really stop there just for a few weeks and say God himself is on me when I go out in the day. And he's anointed me. He's touched me. It is the finger of God. That is on me. And it causes me to preach to people. Wow, Father, because the anointing's on me, I can share the gospel. It's not by that I have to conjure it up. It's that the anointing is helping me to do it. That's why people think, well, I have to preach out of my own strength. No. No, the anointing causes you to share the, share the gospel with people. I get to the point now where I get 
I don't even care anymore what people think. I just think the anointing is getting stronger to the point where I care more about getting God in them than, than, what, I, than what I think about what happened to me. Because there are, people's eternities are more at stake. Can I follow the Holy Spirit? I don't just run around all day asking everybody if they know where they're going when they die. But I just talk to people about Jesus. And we were doing a soul winning class the other night, which is so fun. We started doing soul winning reenactments in uh, fourth year Bible college. And what it ends up doing is at first, when you first start doing it, you're like, we, we have to bring one of them up and start pretending like we're trying to get them saved. But it is, the more that we're kind of doing that, the more it's getting easier to talk with people, to figure out, because a lot of us hear the stuff, what people say all day long. But you have equipment that God gave you, and it's the anointing. The anointing draws people to you. The anointing is bringing people across your path. The anointing helps your business. I mean, if you go... I keep, I love, keep going over this. Let's go to Luke chapter five. I, I still can't get off this one chapter because I keep asking the Lord, give me a revelation of Luke chapter five. What is it about the anointing that, that caused Jesus to have supernatural abundance in his own finances? We'll start with Luke chapter five, verse one. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. There's something that the anointing draws people to you. The more that you study it, the more you study the life of Jesus and you meditate on the life of Jesus, you're going to have people start, it's going to, like the presence of him is going to show up because you're spending time in his word with him. And it says, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. So you need to have some word in you. You need to have some Bible in you because if, people, if God's going to send people across your path, you got to be able to tell them something. So it's not that Jesus just walked around and just said, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. It says that they pressed about him so that they would hear first. So Jesus was always preaching the word of God or just talking about it, sharing it. And he saw two boats standing by the lake and fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. He got into the boat, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitude. So what he's doing first is he's building their faith up talking to them about the gospel, talking to them about the kingdom of God, talking to them about the ways of God, the thoughts of God, and the mind of God. Number th- the other thing is, when you're dealing with masses of people or people in general, they can place a demand on the anointing. They begin, the, the more that, they, that you talk about it to them, share it with them, talk about the goodness of God, the love of God, his loving kindness, the mercy of God, that begins to draw people to God. And they can place on a demand, the woman with the issue of blood she heard about Jesus and what he was doing. And she said, only if I may touch the hem of his garment. She is going and saying, if I touch him, I'm going to withdraw power from him. I know that man, something is going on with that man. So she placed a demand on Jesus. That's why when Kevin and Annie were here, they said, what are you expecting from God today? When you wake up, do you expect God to move? I've been saying something every day that I wake up. Lord, I expect you to move today in supernatural ways. You're opening doors in the name of Jesus. People are giving me houses, lands, cars in the name of Jesus. I got rich friends, and they give me all their stuff because they don't use it in Jesus' name. You're opening up doors. I mean, it's true. I, I, I mean, I'm, I got friends at the airport. They have airplanes sitting uh, there, and they don't use them. They're just rotting out in the sun, just toasting. No, you know, just my, my, my old instructor, Stephen, bought a Cherokee 140, and we used it to train in, and he, got, he has $65,000 in it. And it sits in the airport, and it's just, it's just becoming a rust bucket because he's too busy making b- big money with the airlines. And I, so I've said, Stephen, what are you doing with this plane? He goes, I don't have time for it. I'm busy. 
I said, well, let me, let me use it at some point, rent it, and I, and I have to get my private. I've got another friend that's got another airplane out at Executive, and uh, he hunts six, seven months out of the year. This thing just sits in a hangar, $1.2 million. There's rich people that have more junk than they know what to do with, and they're not, they, they work really hard to buy stuff, and then they park it in a garage and hold on to it, and then they go out and work harder to get more stuff to, for whatever that the reason. So there's a, there's a guy, he'll be here this morning, he's, he's a friend of mine, and uh, he, he bought the $16,000 golf cart. And then one day I was out, you know, he was like, he came over to my house and he said, my golf cart was like dying because the, I bought these nice batteries and it never drives. It needs to cycle the batteries and charge. And you need to drain it and cycle it. He goes, can I bring it out to your property and use it? You can use it on your land. I said, sure. So I went and picked it up, got the trailer, got the golf cart, put it out there. So when we were loading it up, his neighbor was like, are you selling the golf cart? And he said, no, I just need to keep it running. I said, he works hard so I can play hard. He makes lots of money and keeps making it so I can enjoy the fruits of his labor. Because that's what I've been saying. And he laughed. He said, isn't that the truth? Because he loves to work. And then he buys stuff, throws it in the garage, and then he just keeps going back to work. And I'm like, what's the point of this? He's like, I don't know. I just, I love what I do, and, but I buy stuff, and then I don't have time for it. I said, well, I need to start claiming these rich people's stuff because they ain't using it. It's going to rot anyway. So, Lord, open the door in Jesus' name. I mean, so here's where we're getting. Jesus is using Peter's boat. Jesus didn't go out and get a loan and buy a boat. A supernatural door opened up through the anointing for him. You know what? I need a boat today. I'm going to preach out to the multitude. Peter's got a boat. And Peter's partners have a boat. There's people that have stuff out there that you can use that you don't have to go get into a five-year loan with. That's when the Bible, I was telling somebody this, when the Bible says come out of the ways of the world, be separate. Why is it that we have to do everything that they're doing? They got to go get a 30-year mortgage or they got to go get six-year, seven-year car loan payments for seven, eight, nine hundred dollars a month. It's like, why are we doing that? If he says be different, Jesus, he just borrowed everybody's stuff. I mean, he was only here three years anyways. But people, the, the man who gave him the donkey, the people were willingly wanting to give it up to Jesus. So I believe that there is a supernatural abundance where the Bible says you will lend to many nations, you shall not borrow. There's people in the body of Christ. Uh, Jesse Duplantis says, if I went and got money from all the banks, I would have paid at least a billion dollars in interest. He says, but all the money came through, through, through the body of Christ. That's where it comes from, through supporters, through Christians. So I didn't have to go borrow all that money. He said, but that's what we believed. He said, it got around Brother Copeland, started hearing about it, that he's not going to borrow any money. Now, if the Lord tells you to borrow something, follow the Lord. But I'm just starting to step out in faith and believe that I don't have to go every time I want something. I got to go getting a seven-year loan with a 5% interest rate, paying five, $600 a month for everything. I just get tired of all that stuff. And then you read Jesus and supernatural things are open. And I'm thinking, what do we even believe? We believe this? So Jesus borrows Peter's boat teaches a sermon. When he stopped, verse 4, speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. So Jesus is doing, using something that they have. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish that their net was breaking. Uh, some translations say nets, but maybe they did disobey Jesus, and maybe they threw one net. So they're signaled to their partners in other boats. So, so now Jesus is not only blessing Peter, but everyone who's in association with Peter is getting blessed. Signal to their partners in the other boat to come help them. They came, and he, they filled their boats so that they begin to sink. 
So that's an anointing that's on him. He's following the Holy Spirit. That's like me saying, you, all your partners, you're going to have so much work that you're going to begin to sink. But that's what Jesus did. Why can't we walk into people's businesses and just say, you know what, by the name of Jesus, your business is going to explode and you're all your partners in Jesus' name. I say every person in this room, your business is going to explode and all your partners in Jesus' name so much that you begin to sink. You're going to hire people. You're going to have to hire. You're going to have to have multiple trucks and things running. Why? Jesus did it. So that means he's telling us what? We can have this. You have that anointing on you. You can walk into your business and say, fill up and sink in Jesus' name with <laughs> so much. I'm hearing about it through certain people already that are Christians. Why can't it happen for everybody? But it's, if we don't even hear the word of God, how is faith even going to come? So Jesus is, and then it's not even the point that Jesus was trying to start, you know, uh, you know teaching a big business seminar. That wasn't even the, the goal of it. So that he can make them all, I'm going to teach you all how to make a million dollars. Really, he filled it up. And then it says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Your business partners and people around you should be astonished at the things that you're able to do. Why? Because the anointing that's upon you, that's working in you. So that all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish. And also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and all the partners with Simon. And Jesus said, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So he's showing them of something that's to come. You see this many fish? This is going to be how many people you'll be catching soon. They had brought all their boats to land, forsake them, and followed him. That's like all the businessmen in this room seeing something so amazing, you just forget your business and go start following Jesus. Forget doing carpet. Forget doing landscape. I'm following Jesus at this point. Whatever this, whatever the, whatever's on this man, he can produce it at any point. They, didn't, they weren't worrying about all. They didn't seem like they worried about their boat payments at that point and all their stuff. They said, whatever that man has, we want it, and I'm going to go follow him until I get it. Because obviously before it wasn't working, what we're doing, and this man is able to fill up a boat just within a few minutes with one word. So what is that? The anointing's working on Jesus. Now, I want to say another thing about the anointing. Let's back up a little bit. Luke 4, 1. So 4 1, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. In those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Jesus says and answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then you are going, there is a price to pay for the anointing. And uh, it doesn't come easy. Let's see. I want to I read something out of this book. No, it's not that page. It's 125. So God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And once he had passed the test of not yielding to the devil, putting the devil in his place. And then, it's, then he came out with power saying that the spirit of the Lord hath anointed me. And so when you start realizing you have the anointing, it is upon you, you are going to meet the devil. And he is going to make sure of it that you stop it. 
Stop using the anointing because he does not want that. So immediately after Jesus was baptized, he met the devil for 40 days, and he dealt with the devil. And so you will have opposition under the anointing. Why? Because that's the advancement of the kingdom. You saw in Jesus in Luke chapter 5, 6, 7. After that, Jesus, the power of what he was walking in was exploding, and people with the multitudes were coming. But you're going to deal, you're going to, Satan's going to challenge you to say, do you really believe this? Do you know what you're talking about? And you're going to put up with it. It might be for 30, 40 days you're dealing with a devil. And in the name of Jesus, you're using the word against him. Jesus just kept using the word. The word says this. The word says that. And then it says he came out in power. It says that Satan left him alone for a time. So he said, um, then, and Rodney Howard Brown's talking about the, the price you pay. He's, uh, 2 Corinthians 6.16, he says, what agreement can be between temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Even as I've said this, I'll dwell in you and be with, among you. I will walk in them. You will be my people. I will be their God. And then in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, it says, Wherefore, come out among them, be separate. This is the King James. Saith the Lord, do not touch the unclean things, and I'll receive you. I'll be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. So the anointing is holy to God. He says, he does not want his temple con contaminated with the things of the world. He does not want the temple contaminated with idols, nor does he want the temple contaminated with impurities. If you want to be made a vessel of honor, you will have to sanctify yourself, purify yourself, purge yourself of sin, disobedience, and do, with, do away with those things of the flesh. He said salvation is free, but he says the anointing is not. Wait and listen, everyone who is thirsty. Come to the waters who has no money. Come buy and eat, yes, come buy priceless spiritual wine, the milk without money and without price, simply for the self-surrender that accepts the blessing. So that's Isaiah 51. What he's, Isaiah is saying is this. There is something that's worth way more than money, and it is the anointing. You need money to get the gospel out. But like with the apostle Paul, he had a touch from Jesus the Apostle Paul and Jesus did not get into an intellectual debate on the road to Damascus. The Apostle Paul ran into Jesus and he said, Who bright light, the glory of God. What is the glory? The glory is the increase of the anointing. It is the, the heaviness. It is the weightiness. It is the commerce of God. It is, it, they call the glory cloud because it gets thick. So when the anointing starts to increase, the empowering anointing. It start, it'll create a cloud and atmosphere. You have a light so bright that Paul sees it, and Paul has what? An encounter with Jesus. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Not you're killing my Christians. You are persecuting me. Paul and Jesus did not get into a debate about Christianity and the law. No, Paul had one touch from Jesus, and he bowed his knee and said, Who are you, Lord? People need a touch from Jesus. You don't need to argue with people over what, who is right. You just start talking about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anywhere in the New Testament that they started preaching the resurrection of the cross, that Jesus died on the cross from your sin, you can argue with a Muslim, and they'll tell you all the stuff, but you start talking about Jesus, Jesus died for you. Jesus was raised for you. Have faith in Jesus. Believe on him. The Bible says that anywhere that in the book of Acts that that happened, the Holy Spirit began to fall. So the Holy Spirit is activated when you start talking about the testimony of the cross, of the resurrection. You don't have to argue with everybody. They know. The Bible says Romans 1, they all know. But Paul 
had an encounter. People need an encounter. This generation needs an encounter, a touch from God. They, need, they want to see the anointing. They want to see the power of God. And until we're getting into his presence and we're studying these things, like he's saying, becoming vessels of honor, getting rid of everything that's impure, spending time with him, cleaning ourselves out let it, to let the anointing flow. And you can, there's, there's so many different religions now and things going on with the new age. I don't even have time to study all that mess and argue with people. And so I, there was a, there's a girl in the gym that I was talking to and she's into the new age movement. I invited her to church last night. And um, I just stopped. I don't care about the New Age movement. I care about Jesus. I said, Jesus can touch you. He can help you. I said, you can come to church. I said, why don't you, because she's like, I'm, I'm just a rough week. I said, why don't you change the pace in your life? Come to church. Hear about Jesus. Get, drink from Jesus. Eat from Jesus. I'm not, I, don't, I don't care about the New Age movement because obviously it's not working for him. If it was working for him, if Islam was so amazing, the whole Afghanistan, Iraq, Lebanon would all be in revival. They'd all have, I mean, they'd be loving each other, hugging each other, but instead they're, they're fighting with each other. So if it's so powerful, why is it in a mess? Because it's not. There is no power in it. Really the only thing is Jesus. And so I've learned more just to talk about Jesus with people than to argue. So Paul has an encounter with Jesus, has a touch. Jesus is anointed. Now he's resurrected and anointed. Now the glory of God is upon him. And he is not having a debate with Paul. Paul, Paul. Paul did not debate him one time. He just said, who are you, Lord? So we need to get to a point where the presence of God is on you so strong that you are not even having to debate with people. They say, whatever that person is doing, God, whoever this God is, is on them. Because that's what people need. I, I've had times in my life where I had a touch from God. That's what changes me. Religion does not change you. And head information does not change you. It may give you an introduction to the gospel, hearing about the gospel, but if there is no power in the gospel, like Romans 1 says, that the power is in the gospel, then your life has never changed. Every person that's in this room, something happened to you at some point where you made a decision to follow Jesus. Was it from intellectual? No, you were touched by Jesus at some point, And you said, oh my goodness, I don't know what this is, but I want more of it. I am going to follow this man like Peter and them in the boat. So that is on you to go out and to disciple people, to go out and to talk to people, to go out and to pray for people. And sometimes it's just simply asking people, would you like prayer? I'm having a hard time. Father, I thank you that by the anointing that's on me, by the transferring of power in my hands, that it would go into them and change their life in the name of Jesus. Boom, that's it. Would you like to receive Jesus? Say, God, help me, save me. According to John 3, 16, that you love me. I accept you as Lord. Boom, easy. And a lot of times people, even in prayer, will just receive Jesus because you're just saying, well, let's just pray that God will help you. My mom did that the other night in Bible school. She just said, when you pray with people, just grab by the hands and just say, repeat after me, God, help me. And they'll say, God, help me. You love me, God, according to John three sixteen. Come in me, be the Lord of my life, and then help me in this situation. It's easy to get people born again if they want prayer, because they're already open to it. So the anointing is going to cost you something. The anointing costs Jesus something, 40 days and 40 nights with the devil. 
Jesus did not just become born and wake up with the anointing. It says that he stood up in his own hometown and began to read from the prophet Isaiah. Jesus knew who he was in the scriptures and found himself. Jesus spent time in the wilderness dealing with the devil. He would draw from the crowds and spend time in the presence of God. That way when he came out, the fragrance of God was all around him. That way he knew what to do, the wisdom of God. How did Jesus know how to even walk on water after he got off the mountain in prayer? He had been spending time with God. God must have told him, you, are, you can do this. Go step out on the water and go find your disciples. I'm sure in every bit of it was an act of faith because he never did it before. So the anointing will cause you to do things that you've never done before. It'll cause you to step out and to say things you've never said before. The more you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're going to feel unctions. Man, I should just, I'm praying for this person. I don't know why I should say this, but God's about to do something in your life and turn it around. That's the anointing working. And sometimes I just say it until I start seeing it happen in people. Todd White said he prayed for people for a year and nothing happened. He said then after a year, he said stuff started popping left and right. But he said every time I'd go pray for people, I'd go back home and I'd get in my Bible and read through the Gospels. Go out and pray for people. Read through the Gospels. Go out and pray for people. What is he doing is he's finding out the ways of God. He's getting that burned into his spirit. He's getting that, 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 that the fragrance, the page of God, the word of God is getting into him. So now he's walking around with the presence of God. Next thing you know, he's praying for people. That's really the secret to the keys to the, the anointing is just spending time in his presence and his word. Because you study, you read that so much, it begins to burn and, and to, it begins engrafted into who you are to where you're carrying that around all the time. Because if you just, you're just, you're just drinking from Jesus. Come to me that are thirsty. All that, that are thirsty and come and drink. The more that you're drinking from Jesus, the more you're going to live out of something called your overflow. Because then at some point, you're so filled up that you're no longer drained every week because of work. That you're not, oh, I'm so tired and you just need to go home and rest. The, he, the Rodney said the danger is, he says, you can be in the anointing so much that your, fi- your flesh can get physically tired. You will have to spend time and rest. He said, but the anointing would keep him preaching sometimes three, four hours every single day and sometimes multiple services a day under the anointing. But the more you're filling yourself up, that the more you can pour out into other people. Because what? You have something to give. I want to read about the, uh, the, Shun- the Shumanite woman. Let's see where she's in 2 Kings. Maybe it's on 137. Yeah, this is, it's over here. 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. I love this in this book. He says, most people are not thinking about the lost world who's dying in their sins without the Lord. God wants to touch you, but if he anoints you, it's so he can use you, not just so you can get a feeling. If you have no plans on doing anything with the anointing, you will not even get the anointing. Why? Because the anointing is for work. The anointing is to touch people's lives. It's not, it's not many people get the anointing and then they get a big head. It's not for that. It's for that it would give glory to Jesus. The anointing is for other people. Now, Benny Hinn goes into there's an anointing in you that works in you that teaches you all truth, and there's an anointing that comes on you to empower you for the works of service. I may be able to get into some of that. If not, maybe pastor will let me do multiple series on Sunday to get into it. But I want to read this 
If you, God anoints you, you have an obligation to take the anointing to a lost and dying world. You have no excuses. There are no excuses. You cannot wait for all the conditions to be favorable. He said there will never be a favorable moment. You are going to give it away no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. An abundance, lack, comfort, discomfort, you have to give it away because that's the way it flows is by impartation. If you want more, give away what you have. Do you want more of the anointing? Give away what you've been given. Empty yourself of yourself. Empty yourself of everything. He's poured into you, then the Lord will give you more. Hold on to what you have, and he can give. And if you hold it on to it, he can't give you anymore because you're already full. Spend your days emptying yourself by pouring out your life, and he will fill you up with more. The oil will never run dry. We find that in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. We'll read this. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, My servant... Husband is dead, and knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditors coming to take away him, my two sons, to be a bondman. Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? He's carrying the anointing. He knows what he's carrying. He's about to do the same thing that Jesus did in the boat. This is the old covenant. So how much better us? Tell me what I'll do for thee. What does thou have in thy house? So back to the boat again. Peter was Jesus just used something that Peter had already had. What do you have with you? What do you have in your hands? What do you have that, that, you, that you're like, well, I want, I want to start a business. What do you have around you that you can already use? Go borrow. She said, um, she said, I don't have anything in my house but a pot of oil. And he said, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors. You have that in the, the King James. I can read it. Go borrow. Put it in the new King James. I love that a lot of these are still in the, the, the KJV, but sometimes it's, it's just impossible to read if you don't read it a lot. Is that the new King James? Okay. Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So when she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. So what happens is, is when you stop pouring out, the oil will stop. So the more that you're about your day and you're pouring into people, the oil will continue to flow. The more that you break your alabaster box with people, the fragrance that woman was that was so precious to her that she had, that she broke it, put it on Jesus' feet. I love something that Dr. Rodney said is that the more God will not only refill it, refill your jars of oil, but he will increase them to where you have more. But the more that you stop pouring into people, the oil, the anointing will quit because the anointing is to pour into people, is to help people, is for, the, for servicing in the kingdom of God. And so you have to be people conscious if you want the anointing. The anointing wasn't just to make Jesus look good. It wasn't just to make Elisha look good. The anointing was to change people's life. Remember, as, as long as the oil flowed, there was a pot for them to pour into the oil. But when they ran out of pots, the oil was stayed. Keep looking for pots because if you find a pot to pour into them, the oil will keep pouring. 
God will continue to fill your own pot. And I've heard people say that God has stopped moving like he used to. He said, no, God has not stopped moving. He's always moving. You just stopped pouring it out. I laugh at all these people who say revival has stopped. They're just telling me that they stopped pouring. Revival never stopped. It's as hot as today as it ever was. It was great in 1993, 1994, but it's still great today. Even if we had great meetings in the past, we don't live in the past. We keep pressing in today. We keep preaching, praying, prophesying today. We keep doing the works of our Father today. Many churches and people who used to flow in the move of God are not flowing anymore. It has nothing to do with God stop the flow. People have stopped the flow by not pouring out what God is pouring into them. We have to make decisions every day that we will pour into the oil into the lives of other people. And so the, the more we become conscious of people, the more we become conscious of people around us, the more that we'll begin to pour into people. Why? Because Jesus wants to touch people. I was at Reinhard Bunke said God, or T.L. Osborne said that God, I want to make you rich with souls. Who's the one that said that? There was a preacher who um, overlooked a city, and the Lord asked him, what do you see? And he said, um, you know, maybe he said, I see cars and people moving and working and businesses. And the Lord said, I see souls. I see people who don't know me. He said, I want you, I don't know if it was Reinhard Bunke, he said, I want you to make me rich with souls. Go after people. Even though you have a business and you have something, that is just a tool. Money is just a tool. That's all that we're using it for. If your whole focus is on tools all day long, some people just have more tools than other people. But don't get so focused on your tools that you're not even use, that you're not focused on the car that you're working on. Because all that you care about is your tools. Those are just tools. The Bible says that unrighteous mammon, if you pass that test, he says, then I'll give you true riches. Money is the bottom of the spiritual things. Like he said, come buy from me true riches of things. What is that? Being used in the spiritual things, in the anointing of God, working in the lives of people. And so I challenge you, take Luke chapter 4. Take Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 6. Read through the gospel of Jesus after the anointing was poured out on him and begin to see yourself that way. Begin to see God using you in every way that God used Jesus, that Christ in me, the hope of glory. Jesus just didn't die so you'd have a free ticket to heaven. Jesus died so that he could put his spirit into you. And then you're going to do what he does. He duplicated himself. And then find people in your business, in your work, that you can pour into. Even if it's just an encouraging word, even if it's you want to read them a scripture or text them a scripture, or you want to lay hands on them and pray for them, but, but give them, still give them the word of God. Still tell them the word of God. And then as you begin to do that, that goes into their life, begins to change them, and then you create another you. Hang out with people or, or spend time with people that you say, I could duplicate myself in this person. And then that person is going to go on to do what you're doing. At this church, pastor's vision is we grow Christians. Why? You are anointed. You can do the same thing that we're doing out in the workplace. Our job is to equip you so you can go out and do the work of ministry. It's not about having a person up in the pulpit. It's really about us telling you, you can do what Jesus did, and then you're going to go do it. And you're going to go lay hands on sick on the people. You're going to go bless people's businesses. You're going to go fill their boats up. You're going to have the blind eyes open. That's what whole Jesus' whole plan was to take 12 men and say, I'm going to take what I'm doing, and you're going to be doing this in three years. Actually, less. He did what? He sent the 70 out. And they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. Jesus says, go to the cities, preach the gospel. And he says, if the city doesn't receive you, wipe the dust from your feet and move on. Go into households and proclaim, talk to them about Jesus. So 
I find myself with somebody new all the time. Last night I was at Matt's house with him and his girls just talking about things of the Lord. Every time I turn around, I'm at somebody else's house just talking to somebody on the phone, talking to somebody wherever I go. And I'm not trying and forcing it on people. I'm just filling myself up and asking the Lord, draw people to me that are ready. I don't want to chase people down and go beat on their door and ask them if they're going to heaven or hell. I just want people that are ready for a change. And they'll come. They'll tell you. Because when they start complaining, I don't have money. Man, your answer is Jesus. I'm sick. Your answer is Jesus. I'm depressed. Your answer is Jesus. I feel like terrible today. Man, you should get filled up with Jesus. That I mean, any conversation that somebody brings to you, the answer can be, have you tried praying and asking Jesus to come in, be the Lord of your life. That'll change your life. That's the answer for everything. But your job, our job, to teach you, but your job's to go out. Jesus sent the 70 out. You are anointed. Say, I'm anointed to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to impart the anointing onto other people in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for this group today. We thank you that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us, that every day we go out, we are filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit to go out and to see miracles, to see signs and wonders, to see people's lives changed, to see people's businesses being filled up, to be feeding hungry people, Father God, like the loaves and fishes, to lay hands on people, to see the sick healed in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that as we teach on the anointing, that it would increase and that it would grow and that we would have faith for it because we're talking about it and we're teaching on it, Father God. And your word is sharp, sharper than a double-edged sword. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com from our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages and it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, Our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.